Welcome to another episode of Off the Menu. I'm your host, Vincent Franchini from Tumblr House, here with a Yuletide Charles Coulomb. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Almost. It's still Advent. But unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, next Saturday, well, I mean, it's not unfortunate, but next Saturday is going to be Christmas Eve. And the following Saturday is going to be New Year's Eve. So I'm afraid, because of the way the calendar is turning, you're going to have to go through the entire two-week period without hearing from us. However, as some of you may know, on December 22nd, so I'll be home for Christmas, at least home to my room here in Austria, uh, I will be having an operation, which, if successful, well, I asked the doctor, I said, if the operation is a success, doctor, will I ever play the piano again? And she asked, did you play it before? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, she said that it's highly unlikely you're going to somehow pick it up on the operating table. So that, that, ladies and gentlemen, if you're looking for a Christmas concert from me post-op, it's not happening. But your prayers are requested not to say required on October the 22nd, or sorry, December the 22nd. Um, and I can assure you that we will notify you through the usual channels of my uh, progress. Um, we said it'll be three weeks or so before I'm completely recovered, but we'll see what that means in reality when I'm in terms of uh, not believability. That's not the word I want. Who said believability? No, not believability. Uh, but in terms of actually appearing um, when uh, in due course. But New Year's and Christmas, Christmas and New Year's are coming. And you know what that means? What? You better not pout. You better not cry. You better not shout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. So be good, for goodness sake. He sees you when you're sleeping. He sees when you're awake. He sees if you've been bad or good. So be good, for goodness sake. You know, you know what's eerie about that is that you could actually replace Santa Claus with Tyrone, and it completely makes the same amount of sense. You better not cry, you better not shout, better not pout, I'm telling you why. Tyrone is walking the halls. He knows if you've been sleeping. He knows if you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for your own sake. Yes, you're right, it does fit Tyrone to a T. Yes. You, you want to hear something scary, though? What? You know who I saw at the Arcadia uh, Policeman's Christmas party? What? Tyrone in deep conversation with Chief Clancy. Well, that's, that's pretty typical. Uh, Tyrone is one of his most valued friends. I, I know, I know. But it just, it just seemed like they were talking shop at, at, at Christmas, which I thought was a little... A little weird, but never mind. Although I, I do think of Phyllis Diller's great comment 
about Christmas office parties. She was said what she hated the most about them was looking for a new job the next day. Right. You know what's really bad is when you find someone uh, in the corner under the mistletoe all by himself. It's pretty weird. I think so. I think so. And speaking of weird, and there's always weird to speak of in the pre-Christmas season, uh, you know that the, the Holy Father has given us all an interesting Christmas gift. What? Go on. Uh, yeah, he canceled Father Pavone. Yeah, you know, I, I read more. There's a lot more to this weird Father Pavone story. Um I read a really good article by Philip Lawler on it from like 11 yeah. years ago. And it's this whole thing about, um, you know, is a nonprofit organization um, subject to, you know, oversight by the, the diocese. So it's this, there's, there, it's a lot more complicated, actually. It's actually really complicated. There's a lot of actually finances involved. Like, uh, apparently, Father Pavone's Priest for Life, like, the finances for that dwarf the Diocese of Amarillo, which is apparently where he's from. So, yeah, he was from, yeah. So, it's a complicated thing. I, I don't, I'm surprised the Vatican got involved in this stuff. So, I'm not surprised at all, because number one, I'm also not surprised they make more money than the, than the Diocese of Amarillo. You know, uh, I don't want to, um, you know, mention names, but it was the uh, Church of Our Lady of the Atonement in the Archdiocese of San Antonio, hmm. now in the Ordinariate, that literally started from nothing and became the biggest parish in the Archdiocese hmm. before it left for the Ordinariate. And the reason was because of its founding pastor, Father Christopher Phillips. Again, I don't want to name names. But he moved from a storefront to a huge church, made tons of money, opened an academy. Um, and priest after priest in the diocese would ask him what his secret was. And what I'm going to say may rock every grinder account in the Holy See. Are you ready? We're ready. He said he preached the Catholic faith. Whole and entire. And people came. I know that's a hard concept for a lot of people to wrap their heads around, especially if they've got funny collars and other clothing. But what does that really mean? Does that mean he preached rigidity? Does that mean he pre he preached hate? Hmm? You know? What you does mean that by, mean? Uh, hate, it means accompanying uh, people. What does that mean? I feel like there's a lot of euphemisms here. There's always euphemisms. <laughs> we live in an age where we, we don't say anything that means anything. We just euphemize. And nothing means anything at all, unless it's the letter from Father to about Father Pavone, which called him Mister Pavone. Yeah, that's um, just being you know, little old ladies insulting. Anyhow, I think I hope it's a developing story. I hope there's more to this. Um, it's kind of shrill, than shrill elderly non-binaries screeching their hearts out. I really wouldn't jump the gun on this, Charles. I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's there's going to be... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not jumping the gun. I just know that I have rarely seen, have ever seen an official document about a priest's punishment 
saying that he's been laicized and calling him Mister. That is strange. That's very uh, strange. It sounds like a shrill, nasty, purse-lipped non-binary somewhere. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being a shrill, yeah. elderly, purse-lipped non-binary. Why are they assuming gender? Hmm? <laughs> that well, was a bad joke. That have, was a bad joke. I don't, I don't presume they have any gender at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not anymore. Not with them grinder accounts. Uh, no, sir. All right. Well, I, I just hope it – I was taken aback by the headline uh, yesterday, So, and I'm sure everyone else is. So. Well, the uh, that's actually not the biggest news coming our way as Christmas gifts this year. Oh, right. Um, what you posted on Twitter, right? This other thing yes. you heard about? Yeah. Well, I just would say because you know I don't want to I don't want to be a bad person or anything like that. But the current Bishop of Hildesheim in Germany, who is an odd sinner senator. Syn- synodality, odd sin, synod, whatever. Um, Heiner Wilmer has been uh, is apparently a heavy candidate to replace uh, the current head of the what was the um, uh, what was the um, congregation um, for the doctrine of the faith. Yeah. Now it's the dicastery for something or other. Um, he, um, he's got some interesting positions. He said that although he's a willingly passionate celibate religious, uh, he said that celibacy would be even better if it wasn't mandatory for all clerics. Uh, so he's uh, an interesting guy. He, um, his, uh, what you call it, um, book. It's called Gott ist nicht nett. God is not kind, which is an interesting title. Yeah, interesting, interesting person all in all. Uh, and everyone I know in Germany, and I know quite a few, tell me that uh, his being in that position would be an utter, um, you know, another um, disaster. Oh, you didn't go with a euphemism on that one. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, he says that abuse of power is in the DNA of the church. There's structures of evil in the church. Uh, and now I'll proceed to abuse the people I feel that need abused, to be abused. Yep. Right? It's time That's to, how it time works. Time to abuse. Time to abuse more people. Okay. But on a happier note, we'll put all that aside. And you know why? Why? One of the devil's great strategies is to make everything pleasant, bad, and annoying. You'll find that very often, just before Christmas, just before Easter, the news, especially church news, often hands us garbage to get us annoyed, to get us off track. Truth is that whatever is going on in Rome, or Washington, or any other place where the rich and famous gather, um, Christ is still going to be born again. Christmas is still coming, and New Year's and the Epiphany. And in 10 years, or 20, or 100, 
The people who agitate us now will be dead and gone. We all of us, you know, but the rich and powerful the most, take our little moments upon the stage and we prattle about and have our say and jump up and down and think we're important. But we all die. So, so, we should be joyous instead. We should be happy. Because the victory has been won despite the long, seeming long, long loneliness that waits between us now and our judgment. You know, there was an interesting, uh, an interesting thing St. Thomas had to say. The question was, if God, if God through Christ allowed all men to resurrect, why do we have to go through the difficulties of life now? And his response was interesting. Even though if we persevere in the faith and do everything we should, we will share in Christ's resurrection after our own deaths. We can unite, and we are here to unite, all of our current pains and sufferings to his on the cross. A little bit compared to all that he did for us. And so, when we think of these things, ladies and gentlemen, we get very upset and annoyed. We have to remember to unite them with him. And never more than when he comes to us not as a resurrected God-man, not as the sufferer on the cross, but as the infant, the, uh, the harbinger of the incarnation. Uh, and that's the time we're celebrating. So let's get into it. Let's cast off dull care. We've still got a bit of the penitential season left to us, although we'll have a little bit less when you see this. It's interesting, incidentally, liturgically, because today, when we're actually broadcasting, it is the fourth Sunday in Advent. Usually, the last week of Advent does not get every day played out. But I think this year, every let's let's check with our check with our friends at Census uh, Fidelium. Uh, I think. I think, ladies and gentlemen, this is one of those special years where, if you're following the traditional, uh, the traditional calendar and haven't been arrested by the thought police, I believe that. Yep, 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 yep. Every single day of the fourth week in Advent, down to Friday of the fourth week of Advent, is going to be used, which is rarely the case. Isn't that great? Yeah. Advent is its full length this year, which doesn't happen very often. That's awesome. Do you realize a week from today will be Christmas Day? It's hard to believe. This Advent went by so quickly for me. It just, we were halfway through, and I felt like we just were getting started. Yep. It's like Carol Burnett used to say. What we've or the carpenters? We've only just begun. I don't know what. I'm so glad we've had this time together, just to tell a joke or sing a song. 
Seems we just get started when before you know it comes the time we have to say so long. Mm. That was the the closing song inevitably on the Carol Burnett show. Interesting. Do you feel like you've gotten in touch with a little bit of pop culture from long ago? Slightly. I never knew about the ending song for her. My mom loves Carol Burnett. A lot of people um, really well, go love ahead, her. Say but... go, a lot of what people? What kind of people? Go ahead, say it. A lot of what kind of people? A lot of old, crusty people. You know? Ah, see, I, I knew that's what you were thinking. A lot, of, a lot of boomers, you know? Yeah. Okay, boomer. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, yeah. So I like Carol Burnett. Is that maybe old, crusty, and a boomer? I, I think so. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what we need for a real is a real boomer Christmas. Uh oh, that. How about not? No. In, too in, late. in, in, the, in the epic words of Cardinal Dolan, uh, let's not. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget that. Forget Cardinal Dolan. He might be the next head of the CDF. <laughs> uh,. Or the next pope, who knows? That would be something. But uh, I, I'm afraid, since since it's been brought up, I'm going to have to share something. You know how I like to share. You do know that, yeah. I, I do know that, but well, this is something you'll appreciate. You share the way Edward Scissorhands gives hugs. That's the thing about your sharing, you know? Do we have to say that? That's not nice. All right. What what are you sharing? You'll see. Let's get to chat. There we go. Okay. Charles's favorite picture. Uh, yes. Christmas. Um, it reminds him of now that is that your like your parents' house or it's your aunt's house, right? My aunt's house. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas in Westchester, nineteen sixty-four. Uh, let's see here. Um, there it is. I got it up on the screen for everybody. Yep. Now, that's, 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 that's a boomer Christmas, if ever there was one. Or actually, boomer parents Christmas. The Christmas that we, we boomers watch from the windows, the bedroom windows, or the top of the stairs looking down on the, uh, on the living room and seeing people arrive. And as uh, my cousin Jamie said when I showed him this picture, after he stopped laughing, he said, yep, it's exactly what it looked like. Only they generally left kind of in the bag. Hmm. All right. Do do people today associate Christmas parties with drinking? I think so, generally. You know, actually, speaking of, speaking of, this is a perfect transition. Thank you for doing that, Charles. Um, Here to to help. Christmas party last uh, last Thursday, um, I was at a really nice restaurant, and I asked the bartender for Tom and Jerry's. And he was a really good bartender too. He was really legit. He and did he make it? He said he said no. He's he and he kind of gave me a little bit flippant answer. He's like, I I don't have two hours to make the batter. 
Um, apparently, he loves to drink and he's made this at home. But the actual steps to make the batter, I guess, for this is quite substantial. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so he wasn't able to make it, but um, you know, so one day, one day. Um, you know, I, I got your brother Tom and Jerry years ago. Yeah. At the bar of the uh, the uh, Pied Piper Bar of the Palace Hotel in San Francisco. All right. Did he enjoy it? He liked it. Yeah. Yeah, he liked it. All right, good. I think I think a Tom and Jerry would be good right now. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I'm going to share my screen with you so you can see what's going on as well. Um, and let's see here. We've got a picture of Tom and Jerry from a patron. Let me read oh. the, the uh, what the patron had to say here. Um, I can't see nothing on my screen, though. Oh, no? Um, I'm sorry. Not a thing. One second. Um, let's see here. Recording Okay, how's that, Charles? Do you see things? Nope, not a thing. Oh, well, you're just going to have to live with it then. Sorry. All right. Um, anyhow, it's just a... a, a Picture of. Oops. Okay. Do you, do you still don't see anything? No. Wow. Okay. Um. So it's a picture of Tom and Jerry. Um. It's a bunch of mugs that says Tom and Jerry on. It. I guess these are very classic. Um. Some classic China. Um. And Domestic Coffee Man Bill says, look at the treasure I found at the antique store today. Just think if I hadn't watched last week's episode of Off the Menu, I would have passed over this forgotten gem of yesteryear and missed out on an addition on additional Christmas joys. One of the many benefits to be had from being a viewer. Um, I like to imagine that somewhere off the beaten path, there is a, a booth in a flea market or antique store fully stocked with product 19. i wonder if it's if it's possible to get product 19 anywhere i don't know you know ladies and gentlemen if you want to send me boxes of product 19 care of tumblr house i'll take it Hmm. all right um oh the long death of product 19 Wow. It was um and it was discontinued in November of twenty sixteen. Hmm. Wow. All right, Charles. Are you ready for the memes of production? I am nationalize them for the common good. We've still got this screen that doesn't show me anything, though. Really? Oh, that's so disappointing. Um, oh, well. Okay, well, it's time for me to show you a picture, then, through chat. Um, because uh, we have a very important... Um, oh, golly. This is going to take forever. Um, okay, here we go. Sending this your way, Charles. But don't... So you can see the image I'm about to show... Um, the people. So this is a submission from Connor. 
Uh, he says, we we all know who's really behind the strike, uh, referring to YouTube giving us a strike as a warning. So he gave us this picture. So we've got off the menu, oh, yeah. a scuba diver eating, being eaten by YouTube, but underneath it, Big Almond. That's right. Big <laughs> Almond is going to take this sitting down. You've been warned, YouTube. Big Almond's gunning for you. Wow. And let wow. me tell you something. When it comes to a showdown between YouTube and Big Almond, Big Almond's going to wipe the floor with yeah. YouTube. There, there's always a bigger fish, in the words always. of Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. Always. All right. Poor, poor YouTube, man. Yep, they thought... <laughs> they thought they were going to get us, but they were the one who's going to get God. See, if they'd shut up, they wouldn't have woken Big Almond. Oh, well. Yep, yep, well. Sometimes you got to learn the hard way, you know? All right. I guess. I'm just sad. <laughs> uh, what else do we have? Oh, we have a, an incredibly special submission from Angela. Who? So she sent in... She's a, a patron, a super fan, who... Um, sent in an adaptation of the popular poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas. But this was Twas the Night Before Christmas at the Tumblr House Tower. <laughs> I'm going to read it for everybody here so uh, everyone can enjoy. Twas the night before Christmas and all through the tower. The girls in the office were starting to lower. The stockings were hung by the 13th floor. But no one remembered opening the door. <laughs> Old Rose was nestled in her snug cocoon, still estivating like she had been since June. And Tyrone with his trigger and Clancy his bat were all missing Charles, our beloved expat. When out on the street there arose such commotion, we all thought that someone received a promotion. <laughs> Away, though the barriers were gingerly hastened, to avoid the place where Tyrone was stationed. The, the moon on the tower was a sight by far. It gleamed and glowed like an old Hollywood star. And a thought more strange I could not have thunk than Vinnie Franchini with a sleigh full of junk. With a, mer <laughs> with a merry driver so thrifty and slick, I knew to watch out for a flying brick. More <laughs> rapid than retorts, his bargains they came, and he chortled and chuckled and called them by name. Get books and used socks and blenders galore, cool <laughs> mugs and cheap rugs, and so much more. To the gift shop shelves, let the people come flying, and give them discounts so they keep on buying. As bewildered we were with so uncanny a sight, we wondered if he wasn't feeling quite right. <laughs> so up to the roof flew the sleigh full of stuff, and we knew not to give the boss any guff. And then in an instant I saw for myself the nice additions I could make for my shelf. As I took a deep breath and whistled out loud, to the commissary Vinny came with a bound. He pulled out a platter which reeked and stank, like something <laughs> had died in the old fish tank. We, we protested and pouted and gave our dissent. This Christmas Eve dish isn't worth our rent. We wanted a sandwich made of chow mein or Cincinnati chili for the price of our pain. St. Louis pizza would have contented the crowd or even some aspic 
for crying out loud. And now little Skippy has met his fate and lies moldering there on that dinner plate. The boss merely frowned and pounded his fist and said, for all my work, you give me this? Lest you forget you are fasting tonight, tomorrow you can fill your bellies upright. By the flash of his eye and look of his brow, I knew that I'd better be grateful now. I spoke not a word and went straight back to work and filled all the orders, then turned with a jerk. For laying inside our stockings so dear, the boss had put a bonus for cheer. He smiled and waved as he sprang to his sleigh, advertising his books all the way. But I heard him exclaim ere he drove out of sight, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. <laughs> wow. That is a masterpiece. I- I'm blown away. Well, indeed. You know, this is obviously someone who's been listening to all of our stuff. <laughs> For those of you who are just joining us from the realms of uh, sanity, uh <laughs> Well, indeed. Everyone here at the Tumblr House Tower is is looking forward to the new year and to Christmas and to the Epiphany and everything else. Um, old Rose has managed finally to cut herself out of her cocoon to join the, the office party. And she's kicking up her heels in the next room with the uh, with the office pool and the, uh, the gardeners and the mailroom staff and Tyrone and uh, Chief Clancy has come up from town and Everybody's having a great time in the tower tonight. All, all your old friends and characters. <laughs> Lydia is there, the the mother superior like head of the uh, of the uh, secretarial pool, and and on it goes. Um, what about you're Oswald a great Dupree? Family to have, what about What's Oswald that? Dupree? Oswald is currently celebrating. <laughs> So, uh, winter solstice. <laughs> so he's busy. <laughs> okay. Oswald doesn't do Christmas. Christmas is so 1964. It's for <laughs> boomers. It's not for hep people. Oh, okay. Well, to each his so, own. Uh, Oswald is, is shaking his groove thing at a solstice party. All right. Fair enough. All right, uh, let's get on to some questions. We've got some really good submissions here. Uh, first, you don't have a state for me. No state. This is an expeditious episode. Um, we're really short on time this week because it's a cr- crazy week. Um, so, all right, let me talk about. Uh, I'll give you a state of the week: confusion. The state of confusion is really a place I've spent a great deal of time in. Uh, I really can't tell you much about it because if I could, I wouldn't be confused. There you go. <laughs> wow. All right. Thank you for that, Charles. Um, You're welcome. All right. Good guide. <laughs> all right. Um, so Warren uh, submitted a question. He says, Christmas gifts. Hello, Vincent and Charles. Given that we are nearing Advent and approaching Christmas, the thought uh, the thoughts of children worldwide are turning to what will be under the tree. There are many classics or er, classic toys, army men, blocks, and the good old 
Lionel train set. Uh, we know these are all great choices according to conventional wisdom. Yet we know that conventional wisdom does not consider aspic and chow mein sandwiches good choices for food. With this in mind, I humbly ask Charles, what is his toy equivalent of product 19? A Marx Company Fort Apache playset. That sounds cool Ford. enough. What, what's that? It, so what's that involved? Cool. Well, it involved a plastic fort with uh, pioneer troops, uh, pioneers and, and troops and Indians and all that. And it was just what it sounds like. That's sort of like the Green Army men, like from yes, a long time ago? Yeah. yeah, but they were blue. And I uh, was it all like one big piece, like the setting? Was it like some some fold up thing, or was it you know how like Barbie Playhouse is like back in the day? A big box. Let me see if I can find a sample for you online. Fort Apache playset, nineteen sixty. That will do it. Yeah, that's exactly the one I got when I was a kid. Although, well, it didn't have a Canadian flag like that one. There we go. All right. Let me see. Where are you? There you go. Is that... You see it? Oh, okay. That's interesting. Um... All right. Let's... Even better than product 19. And that's hard to admit. Hmm. All right. There's a picture of it, folks. That's, um, that's interesting. How do you turn that into a game? Like, how does that, I mean, you know, that would be cool if you could do, I don't know, something more with it, but that's, uh, that's interesting. What so you something more with it? You, you play cowboys and Indians with it. How do you do that? <laughs> what do you mean? Have you seriously never played with toy soldiers? Really? No, I have. I have. You, you have me worried there. <laughs> now, mind you, mind you, uh, those uh, it's such as Fort Apache. Here's a, another thing I would have enjoyed and actually did, in fact, get Britain's limited. Uh, toy soldiers made out of lead. Hmm. Um, let me see if I can show you an example. Um, I would say my equivalent of 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 your of of this would be something relating to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle set. But then, like part of it is like this machine where like ooze was dripping down. It was really cool. Ooze? Yeah, ooze. Ooze has ooze was really an important thing in the nineties. Slime and ooze. We we're really into that. I've never liked slime or ooze. There you go. There was a set I had as a kid as well. Those look like handcrafted. Um uh, well they yes. weren't quite, but they were close to it. Hand painted anyway. Oh yeah, hand painted. Hmm. All right. Um very cool. 
A question from Angela, who uh, had submitted the poem. I have two questions from Angela. Uh, She says, greetings to our champion, Charles, and the invincible Vincent. I hope you are both well and blessed in this holy season. My first question concerns the role of Moravia in the history of Europe. What are its achievements as well as the unique character of its people and customs? Except for consuming Boris, alias Lil Skippy, our carp friend slash Christmas vigil repast. Uh, my great grandfather came from a small village in southeastern Moravia, so I'd appreciate any insight Charles could offer. Well, there's Moravia and there's Moravia in the sense that uh, there was a Slavic kingdom under the famous Svatoplok in the eight nine hundreds uh, called Great Moravia, uh, which predated the Magyars who came in later. Small Moravia, uh, which united with Bohemia and Silesia to be part of the kingdom of Bohemia, the lands to the crown of St. Wenceslaus, uh, is to this day a unique region within Czechia. Uh, although they lost their German inhabitants after uh, World War II, Moravia is famous as being rather more pious than Bohemia, more Catholic. Uh, and it has certain interesting minority groups, uh, the Slovaks uh, in Moravia, I mean, they're Slovak, all right, but they're very Czechified. And the uh, Wallachians in the mountains. The two big cities there are Brno and Olomouc, or if you prefer, Brn and Olmutz. Uh And Moravia, it's a small place, but it's, it's fascinating. And like so many small places in Europe, extremely diverse within its own boundaries. Hmm. All right. Uh, Angela's second question concerns a passage from the luminous Dom Garanger in his liturgical year. In the entry for August 25th, the Feast of St. Louis, King of France, Dom Garanger describes the efforts of the great saint to eliminate blasphemy from his kingdom. Then the writer quotes St. Augustine, quote, it is thus th- that kings serve the Lord as kings uh, when they do in his service these things which only kings can do, end quote. I thought this was very profound, that God, through the virtue of holy anointing and the sanction of Holy Mother Church, gives kings the grace to repress certain evils in society as well, I assume, secure certain graces for their people. Would Charles please illuminate for us what he believes are, quote, these things which only kings can do, end quote? Well, you have to go back, of course, to the idea, to the to the ceremony, the rite of the coronation, which most Catholic kings have had. Um, it was often described as a sort of eighth sacrament, in a sense, in that, it sets the king apart from other men. Uh, it calls down upon him the blessings of God for the purpose of rule. Now, the problem we have today is that we don't distinguish between authority and power. Power is the ability to make things happen. Authority is the right to say what should happen. Um, the, the king in a Catholic monarchy uh, 
had first and foremost authority. He had the right to say, thanks to his coronation by God through the church, he had, and through participation in the kingship of Christ, he had the right to say what ought to be done. But he also had obligations. He had the obligation to defend his people, to do justice to them, and ensure that it was done between them. That is to say, to protect his people from outside attack and from each other. <laughs> uh, he also had an obligation to assist the church in the work of saving souls. Uh, he had an obligation and a word to be the father of his people. And that, of course, is very different from any kind of governance we're familiar with today. You know, it so happens that today I was on a day trip to Budapest. And while I was there today, we went to the parliament and saw the Holy Crown of St. Stephen and the Coronation Regalia that uh, the Emperor King Charles was crowned with in 1916. We went to the Coronation Church, which was the site of his coronation on Buddha Hill, or Castle Hill. And we also uh, venerated two relics of his, one at the Coronation Church, one at St. Stephen's Basilica. We also were able to venerate the holy right hand of St. Stephen, the first king, after whom the crown is named. Well, these things are very much in my mind as a result. Uh, and the question that the friend of mine I was with asked me was, why Carl is so popular today? And my response was, because he is everything our current leaders are not. In every sense and in every country. The king was obligated to die for his people if necessary. Uh, that's something we're not used to. We're just not. The, the whole, I, I mean, I do believe that one reason why we have a hard time understanding or dealing with real leadership today is for the same reason we have a trouble with fatherhood. If you think about it, like the king, the father has authority. He also has a certain amount of power. Um, but we've lost all that. Uh, we don't believe in authority. But at least we pretend we don't. But as a result, we're simply the victims of power. It was one of my harsh little jokes during the COVID uh, routine that when our masters took their masks, had us put our masks on, they took theirs off. And I believe that to be true. So in a word, what made the king differ from other men because of the coronation was that he had authority. And that is something that... Um, Authority is something we're hard put to see today. We see power exercised constantly, but we don't see authority. I see. What? So that's what Garanger is referring to there. No. Okay. I mean, did we? Um, I'll just sort of gratuitously bring up. Um, 
these various powers that certain kings had, right? Uh, that you oh. mentioned before on the show, the power to cure, to cure scrofula. Yeah, right? the, uh, the the kings of France and Spain, uh, sorry, of France and England, had the power to cure scrofula. The kings of Spain to exorcise demons. The kings of Denmark to cure epilepsy. Um, the hands of a king are the hands of a healer. Uh, as Tolkien tells us, and of course, in a larger and um, a larger and uh, more symbolic sense, that really is the work of a king to heal the wounds of his people. Uh, it's what Saint Louis had to do when he became king of a country that had been torn by internal dissension. You know, we're talking about the role of a king. And um, if I remember correctly, once upon a time, you had mentioned that it's to keep the king's peace. It's to keep peace. Yeah. Um, well, as I say, to, to one of the partly to repel outer enemies, but also to keep his subjects from damaging each other. The king's peace requires that the king's subjects live with each other peacefully. But so what I was going to get to is it feels like those in the positions of power, there's a fundamentally different uh, philosophy behind what the government should do. Don't you think? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, to give you an example, um, in Britain, the government have recently issued a white paper about altering the behavior of the citizens for climate change. Well, you've got a twofold problem there. The first is, if you're going to pretend you're a democracy, where does the government get off altering its supposed master's behavior? If, government, if you're going to pretend you're a democracy, then the government is supposed to be the servants of the public, not their mentors. And if you're going to say they are their mentors, upon what basis? There comes the question of authority. Who gives them the right to change their subject's behavior? And contrary-wise, um, if you're going to say you don't believe that, you don't believe in democracy, okay, that's nice. What do you believe in and upon what basis? Are you going to say that the government are smarter and wiser than the people they run? Really? How come? Says who? Prove it. Show me. From whence does their authority come? They would say it comes to the people. But the minute you say that you've got the right to rearrange the people's behavior, then obviously that's not where your authority comes from. Because you've said that your people are there for you to rearrange and play with. You've asserted that right. So you can't claim that that's the source of your authority. Authority has to come from a higher source. If, if you're going to say that the people are there to be rearranged and bullied into a different form of behavior, then they're not a higher source. They can't be a source of authority since you bully them and run them. So where does your authority come from? 
And if you're going to tell me because I'm in charge and you're not, warm boy, well, that's an answer. You've got the power, yes. I'm going to play devil's advocate. I'm going to say that they are empowered by the people to protect the people from themselves. That is circular reasoning if ever I heard it. Well, you're just saying words, too. What's circular reasoning? What's circular reasoning? It's reasoning that simply comes back to itself. Protect the people from themselves? When did the people give them that right, and how and why? When they voted for them. Really? And then, re- and then, and then reelected them. Was that true when, we vo- when uh, Trump came in or when Biden came in? Was what true? That uh, they were elected by the people, and they had, and they have rights to rule them as they choose. Well, it was. Well, let's just say. Um, uh, yes. What are we going to say? Argument, that it was always true. It was always true. Although they reverse themselves completely and elect people who are diametrically opposed to one another. Well, it's, um, I mean, the Unless voting... you're going to say that the election was stolen, as some people do. We can't, we can't say that. We can't say that. We want to stay on air. We want to stay well, on air. Okay. We do want to stay on air. And Don't... so we can't say the election was stolen because we're going to stay on air. And therefore, we're not going to say that. Yeah. In the words of Bob Newhart, we don't go there. Okay. So just stop it. Just stop it, Charles. Down... Down the rabbit hole with Frankini and Coulomb. <laughs> okay. Um. No, but I mean, at the end of the day, you know, there's no point saying you derive your authority from the people and then saying that the people need you to tell them what to do. Because that means they're incompetent to choose you or anything else. If they're not competent enough to know how to live their lives... They're not competent enough to choose their own leaders. Well, who makes that decision of competency? I would agree with that, but then who decides that? Ah, this comes to the very problem. I would say that the difficulty with democracy, quote-unquote, lies right there. Because, in fact, it doesn't exist. There's a pretense that it exists, but it doesn't. Well, I, uh, let me qualify that. It exists in places like the certain small towns of New England and Switzerland. But that's it. What prevents it from existing? What do you mean? What, what's the qualifier that's missing here? Well, the qualifier that's missing is the idea that the majority rule themselves. when in fact, they rarely do. I mean, what if we, I mean... Let me give you a concrete example from history. Okay. In 1972, the vast majority of Americans thought that abortion was murder. The Supreme Court declared that it wasn't, and so, poof, the views of the then majority vanished into thin air, and infants were murdered as part of the Constitution. Oh, uh, checks and balances, right? We learned that in in fourth grade. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just regurgitating. Like, well, no, and I, and and my my response is that's nice, but it's not democratic. 
And and mind you, you can make the argument that the founding fathers were not democratic. Yeah, I thought Washington commented on this, right? Sorry, or, I, I thought I thought the pre- first president. I thought Washington commented on um, the tyranny of the mob or something like that. He sure did. Yeah. So isn't I that, said the argument yeah. the argument has been made that the founding fathers were not democratic, which is why you would often hear people of a more conservative turn of mind talk about how we had a republic, not a democracy. Okay. But but the people that currently run that that republic would nevertheless insist that we do have a democracy. So and they're not a bunch of old dead guys in uh, knee britches and funny wigs. All right. Um, let's leverage this into a question from Vonday Radio, who straight up asks, who are your top five English monarchs? Okay. Henry IX. Charles III. James III. James II. Charles the first. How many of that? That's a lot. I think that's now, it. Now, if we're going to remove, because they didn't actually reign over England, if we are going to remove from that number, um, James the third, Charles the third, and Henry the ninth, then I would replace them with Henry the second, Mary the first and the real Mary II, known as Mary Queen of Scots. And if I can't have Mary Queen of Scots, I'll replace her with George III. All right. Uh, can you can you give like a, perhaps like a headline and like a, a very brief overview of why you picked each of those kings? Oh, uh, sure. Uh, Henry IX, Cardinal York, because he was a very devout man, the last of the House of Stuart. Uh, the direct line. Charles III, Bonnie Prince Charlie, because of his coming so close to regaining the throne of his ancestors. James III, his father, because of his piety and and uh, long-suffering. His father, James II, because he was the, uh, the Catholic king and lost his throne for his faith. Charles I, because he lost his head for his faith, his people, and anything decent and good. If you make me dump the Stuarts, Henry the Sixth, because he was probably a saint. I mean, James the Second is a servant of God, by the way. So is Henry the Sixth. Um, Mary the First, because she attempted to undo the damage done by uh, her father, Henry the Eighth. And the real Mary the Second, called Mary Queen of Scots, because again she was a Catholic, etc., and she's a servant of God. If you don't let me have her, because she didn't actually reign over England, then George the Third, because he was the last British king to attempt to truly reform the British Constitution in what I consider a positive manner, and because he really loved his American colonies, despite the in gratitude of the oligarchies of each one of those colonies, which led to the so-called American Revolution, our first civil war. All right. Um, 
So we're short on time on this crazy weekend. I'm sorry that um, we haven't put out a lot of content. It's just been, Charles has had a thing. I've had a, a family medical emergency. So we're filming this. It's, what is it, 2 a.m. Monday morning for Charles right now. So we're going to try to do an hour long, though, uh, episode. Uh, so final question for uh, yeah. this episode is from Marianne. Who says, okay. Dear Charles and Vincent, I have a very serious question, although it's probably been discussed before. Um, what's the best version of the Christmas Carol? And why is it the Muppets? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I actually don't think she's joking. Like, she's like around my age. And like, so it's like when that came out, I think we're approximately, you know, really young. So it, the Muppets version is really good. It, when you, if you're a kid and you're watching it, it really enhances the story. So I, I actually will fully back that. As kind of weird as that sounds, well, <laughs> I know I you're going to disagree. Re- you're probably going to say George C. Scott or something. Uh, no, I'm not. Interesting. Actually, Patrick Stewart? Question mark. No. No. Okay. No. Okay. No, A Christmas Carol, 1938. Ah. The original Owen, Gene Lockhart, and so forth. Uh, that was the version I watched as a boy. It's the version I watch every year. I love the 1938 Christmas Carol. For me, it really captures the the whole thing. Hmm. I gotta see that one. I've never seen that. And usually, I have Turner Classic Movies on, on the television. Well, let me see. Let me see if I can find it for you. It's a full, full film. Uh, what was the trailer? What about second favorite for you? What's your second? Favorite? Uh, be, it'll be the one with Alistair Sam, I think. Oh. Okay. But let me see. Christmas Carol, 1938. They've got the, um, they have the, uh, what do you call it? Oh, heavens, it's on Facebook, believe it or not. Awesome. Uh, hold on. Let me see. I don't believe it. They've got they've got it on they've got it on Facebook. All right. Let me give that to you so you can watch it. Uh, that's amazing. Hmm. Uh, let me see. There. Now you can watch it your heart's content. All right. You're temporarily blocked. What was that? I will share that um, in the summary of the video. Oh, you're temporarily it, blocked. Yeah. What does That's that mean? The, um, that doesn't mean anything. Um, it's it's fine. Th- that's just part of... Don't worry about it, Charles. Um, just part of technology. So I will include that in the the um, the description of this video for anyone who wants to to watch that. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, 
All right, Charles, we got to wrap it up. We are out of time. Well, if that's the case, I will leave you all with this. We're all of us in very, very different places right now. Christmas is coming, New Year's Eve 2023, and then, of course, the Epiphany. Um, so I'll leave you with this. I'll be home for Christmas. You can count on me. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents under the tree. Christmas Eve will find me where the love light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams. So, a Merry Christmas to you all, ladies and gentlemen, and a happy 1964. And we'll see you... Wait, hap, wait, what? <laughs> what? I said a happy 1964. Do we just do the time warp or something? Do we do we <laughs> get I've stuck in some happy place. time vortex? Okay. We'll see you, baby New Year 2023. Well, it'll be 1964 for me, but oh, never mind. Okay. All right, you stay in but your happy place, Charles. I'll stay in my happy place. I think we should all be in our happy places. If I were Father Pavone right now, and I were directly spoken to by the Holy Father, you know what I would say? What? I'm in my happy place. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys later. Take God care. bless you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What if it's Monday? It's off the menu. And so you save? Maybe your own. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>